This week's episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by the Summer Executive Institute at the Georgetown University McCourt School of Public Policy. The McCourt Executive Institute offers short courses that are specifically designed to enhance key skills. Small classes and hands-on projects allow you to engage with expert faculty at Georgetown in a format that is convenient for busy professionals. To learn more and to register, please visit mccourt.georgetown.edu slash execed slash short courses. Enhance, energize, and expand your professional skills this summer at the McCourt Executive Institute. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. I'm happy to be joined today by Seth Blanchard, a senior editorial developer at The Washington Post. Hey, John. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, really happy to be here. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've been, been looking busy. at it. It's been busy. Uh, you've been seriously busy. Seriously um, busy. Doing a lot of stuff, both front-end graphic stuff, yep. back-end stuff. But we'll probably concentrate on the front-end stuff Great. because you're doing some – I think there are some really interesting things in the area of sort of audience engagement yep. when it comes to the post. Why don't we start talking about this piece you shared, and I'll, of course, post it on the show's website on the Pope's visit. You want to start by sort of describing the idea of what you were doing here and and how you thought about engaging the audience in kind of a different sort of way? Yeah, so when the Pope came to visit the United States, we wanted to do an audience engagement piece or a piece where people could contribute their thoughts in. Um, to us, the, the idea was that this Pope has been pushing the Catholic Church in a way that Popes previously haven't been. And so we worked with Religion Reporter to kind of figure out like what maybe are the main issues he talked about. And she identified family poverty and climate change. And so we came up with a quote of his encapsulating those stances from you know his speeches and mm-hmm. the, the written works he's done. And then we asked people to, on a scale, like just a web slider, to say how much they agreed or just disagreed with the right. Pope's stance on that issue. Okay. And then after they did that, they could answer a form that said, essentially, um, what do you think is the biggest issue facing the church today? You could categorize it any way you wanted and then you know, write some text. And if you want to give some information about yourself, your religion, and your age, essentially. So this is like the comments portion of any page, but sort of just built and it looks much different, yeah. right? So here we have sort of, I guess, little pills, little boxes yeah. of the quote with the person's name, religion, and age, but, yeah. it, but it has a different feel to it. Right. It does. It's, it, it does feel different than comments. We tried to really bring people's responses into focus around the things that we find interesting or different about the Pope or that you know, are contrasting to previous popes and that are important to people in their daily lives. Like the, the issues that we brought up are typically hotter button issues and things people can be divided on. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so this is mostly an American audience because he came and saw New York, D.C., Philadelphia right. um, after doing the Caribbean. So. Now let's talk about the slider a little yep. bit. So we've got these uh, three sliders, yep. pretty standard sliders. So now we're looking at them right now, and they're sort of the darker colors are tend to be towards the ends. But right. That's not exactly how the thing kind of started, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So the form element we gave the users was a, a dial that you could just slide up and down, just like you would selecting anything in a range from you know zero to one hundred percent agreement. Mm-hmm. And it, the, it was lighter or wider towards the side of disagreement and darker and brighter towards the side of agreement. We were hoping it would indicate to people, you know, pick anywhere you fall on this spectrum of agreement with the Pope. Like, 
we understand these are issues and he has um, nuanced takes on them and your response to those might be nuanced. So we want to give you the full range of agreement that you wanted to agree to. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the page now, you're only seeing the results. You're not al- allowed to enter any more right. new data. Right. Um, and what we noticed when we, we turned it on to start with, giving people the full range actually encouraged them to just choose ranges on each end. Mm-hmm. So they would either fully agree or fully disagree with the Pope, even though the UI element allowed them to choose anything, anything on the wanted. range. Yeah, right. any yeah. range they yeah. wanted. Yeah. Right. Okay, so then what? So we realized that it was Well, so was your first thought like, we messed something up? You know, you want to always double check that you're getting the data back that you think, <laughs> yeah. that your queries are running like you think. The response to this was really big. We were, you know, seeing really good numbers to mm-hmm. it, um, especially for like a more localized graphic, you know, specific to DC. Um, we launched it the week he came to DC. So, but yeah, we were wondering if something was wrong. And then we decided that we would go back and add tick marks to the slider to show people you can leave it anywhere, anywhere in the want. range you want and encourage them to drop it on the tip, tick marks. And as people continue to visit the site and use the sliders to to re- record their answers, you can see where the tick marks yeah. are kind of appearing on the bar. So, like, if you go to the site now, you'll see them, and you'll see darker bars along the scale, essentially where the ticks were. And that's not because people couldn't choose anywhere they wanted to go. It's because the UI influenced their decisions. By not giving them any guidance in the beginning, we thought we were making it easier when, in fact, it appears that it was harder for people to use that. Right. Yeah. And then adding the tick marks, sort of, it's like rounding, right? Yeah, it's it just like round, rounding. right? Yeah. So as you go forward, thinking about other projects and this sort of general, like as you do these sorts of projects, is this how you iterate on the on the UI? You're just trying to pick out like this was too easy, this is too hard. How do we? Yeah. So for for social UI, for when we want to get responses from folks, the thing we're trying to do is boil it down to the lowest thing we can get people to engage yeah. on. So like what is the least thing we can ask of the users, ask of our readers and get responses back that are meaningful. So we want you to participate. We're interested in what you think. We also know that filling out forms, especially a blank comment box on the web is intimidating and not that helpful. And a lot of people aren't going to volunteer for that. And so by allowing people to do something anonymous and Ideally, really fast on your phone, you just touch where you want it yeah. to go on your... It's like one mouse click and drop. You know, we've minimized the friction between the user providing a response to us and getting, you know, valuable feedback from our readers. So, um, we look at that and then, you know, after a project like this is done, we'll talk about like what mm-hmm. went well, what what we could improve for the next time. Right. And then we'll we'll take that and then feed it into the next project. Okay. Typically. And, and when you're doing projects like this, how are you thinking differently between the desktop experience and like a mobile experience? Yeah, so um, this one translated really easily between them. Um, there is some testing that, you know, obviously some testing we do between the different breakpoints and screen sizes. On the desktop, when you answered it, when you first came to the site, when there were sliders here, the two right questions were grayed out. And the left uh, question, last month question was highlighted. And then as you answered it, you would go on to the next question. Let you, yeah. And it, it would highlight the next question. And you click to encourage people to move through and answer the full range of questions. On mobile, when you answered, we hid one and showed you the next one. Right, so right. it was very easy to just click and go, click and go, click yeah. and go. Um, and you know, on mobile, we try to make things even smoother than desktop because mm-hmm. the places people use them, they usually don't have their full attention as you might 
at your desk at work um, or at home, you know, right. um, when you're sitting around, like looking at your computer, um, <laughs> like when I use my phone, it's waiting in line for something. It's uh, while watching TV. And so you yeah. really need to make it like jump in, jump out, jump in, jump yeah. out, really simple, right. um, make the interaction easy. And right. so uh, this lends itself well. Sometimes we have a harder time adapting uh, our projects to one screen size or another, mm-hmm. um, starting either starting with mobile and then scaling to desktop or starting from desktop and scaling to mobile. Right. Uh, I want to move to another project in a moment, but when you're building these sorts of projects, you are asking the reader to answer some question, put in some information, and then they get to see themselves next to everybody else. Right. Do you think that's like an audience engagement strategy that people should be trying more and more? We saw a little bit of it. Um, last year, the New York Times did this one on drawing this education line. We've yeah, seen a few funny. of these sort of popping up. But do you think that's where things are headed in terms of, of audience engagement? To me, it feels like a really good approach. A lot of times, when, especially when I see a map, yeah, I immediately go to where I live right. and see what it's like where I live. Yeah. And so to be able to place yourself in the data allows you to maybe understand it a little bit better. And so if on this slider you agree to the Pope and you see that everyone else agrees with the Pope, that could be of interest to you because maybe people in your social circle don't or yeah. people you follow on Twitter or Facebook don't agree with that and what their public statements are, but maybe a large portion of people yeah. you don't interact with do. And so it's it's interesting to take yourself and then kind of move from there to the place where the majority is or where you know maybe a, a part of the majority yeah. sits. And right. I, I think it lets readers find themselves in the data and you know we're generally selfish as people and it's easy to like look where am i yeah where am i yeah Yeah, where am i and so we try to do that when we can uh i like it when i try other graphics that are like it i'm interested in yeah um and then if like my friends do it too or coworkers, then it's you can compare you can compare yourself that's easy yeah yeah very cool um let's talk about this other project we're looking at this one is on um feminism Yep. And again, a sort of different engagement strategy, I think, on this one. So this is Betty Friedan to Beyonce. Of course, I'll, I'll post it on the site. But um, you want to talk a little bit about the, the strategy you use here to get folks to interact and engage with the piece? Yep. So this was a package of five stories along with some other um, stories that we had run on the site all at once. And as we were involved in reporting this, the thing that kept coming up in the reporting meetings was how much of a discussion around this topic there was without as many like places to hang your ideas on as there are in other issues. Mm-hmm. And so it's the story was actually putting yourself in the discussion as much as like where we are in feminism today. And mm-hmm. we wanted to provide the same service to the reader as we had when we were doing the reporting. And so we built a similar sort of thing where you could answer a poll. And um, this one was specific to each article. We wrote a poll question and a response type to specific to each article. So as you were reading, they were placed in a place in the article where um, the article made sense to ask a question about someone. Like, how do you feel about this issue? You've read about a character. Now, how do you feel about the same issue? And then from there, we encourage you to jump into comments. Mm-hmm. And so you can see poll results. You can see what people have commented on already. And the other thing that we did is we, instead of having comments at the bottom as is normal on our site, we put it in a side panel that you can slide out over top of the article. It mm-hmm. doesn't take you away from the article. and allows you to ga- engage in comments without losing your spot. And this, again, was to remove friction from people participating in our discussion. We wanted to also encourage good comments and good discussion on a topic that typically doesn't engender that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, women's issues and feminism online are typically not a nice place to be in comments. Right. And so 
in this case, we try to take some steps to encourage people to comment appropriately. I think a lot of that was priming comments with a question. So we asked you to follow up on the poll that you just answered with a comment in response to the poll question. Mm -hmm. And that really helped folks answer comments in a way that on a topic that is pretty divisive was very civil and we got like a lot of interesting responses out of it. So I think, you know, these are some of the strategies we used when we built this and designed this. Yeah. I mean, you sort of alluded to, it's like the comment sections of basically every website, it's like the worst part of humanity, right? right? So it seems like you are trying to build uh, not necessarily positive discussion because people can disagree, obviously, but more of a, a constructive area where people can discuss. So is there a process in which you are, you know, curating? We've seen recently this big Guardian project analyzing the, the comments of the Guardian newspaper. Um, are you curating comments? But is it and, and is it more about what you just mentioned, sort of guiding people through having this more constructive thing? Or is it just like you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and trying to see what sticks at this point. Well, I think we we have seen better responses when we give people a guided discussion to have and when um, our authors are involved in the commenting process or yeah. um, when we can highlight comments that we say these are good. People mostly comment for the community and for feedback from other people on the internet. Um, and that's a large portion of the reason why people behave so badly is because they might not be that badly as people in, right. in real life, yeah. but they they want attention, and so they do things to, to garner attention. So if we can minimize the attention that they're given, as well as highlight the things that we want attention to be placed on, we can look at people's responses from all sides of the issue in a way that we might not um, be able to do in an article or in a voice that's different than the yeah. article. And so I think by priming that and then by highlighting the parts that work well, the people that respond in a vein along with the article. Uh, it's helpful and it, it does make comments better. Um, clearly you'll still get bad ones. And yeah. and this was heavily moderated because of the topic mm-hmm. subject matter. And so we were able to, to remove some of that, but um, I think we, we were very happy with the, the sort of responses we received. And do you tend to do a lot with the evaluating afterwards? You know, so sort of post-processing, I mean, I'm sure you're tracking, you know, traffic and all that sort of yeah. things, but are you doing a lot of looking through the comments and sort of, I mean, I know at least in the project we, we talked about earlier, right. you know, you can see the actual data. Is actually yeah, exactly. Up. So, but, but these are sort of more qualitative. So are you trying to, or thinking about doing anything with, with those sorts of uh, doing that sort of analysis? Yeah. I mean, we do it. I don't know that it's formal. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the folks in the comments team that run this send us responses back we were watching comments back to see how they were they were going. We also got like a how many comments posted versus how many deleted to oh, see okay. like what percentage. And I think they do this on a lot of stories anyways, but for us because of our new layout and the focus we were trying to encourage in commenters, it was of, of interest to us. Right. And so we were happy with the numbers and I think it's something we'll we'll keep trying. There's there's like lots of work going on yeah. here and in the open source community around making comments better. Mm-hmm. Um we received from some feedback from those folks as we built this out. And so it's just interesting to try yeah. stuff and see how Yeah, it really works. interesting. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting for, for both of these projects is that the experience is much different than your sort of standard insert your comment here. I mean, this has a different feel to it. Yeah, there's a lot more going on. It's designed as part of the article in a way that the comments on a lot of other articles can't be because the authors can't take the time to do that. Uh, but, right. You know that... 
like we have the company platform. It works well. People are able to have good discussions in it. We have some very lively communities on our, on our website in our normal comments. But these are things we want to test out specific to certain stories in ways that we just can't do on a daily basis. And I'm sure we'll see some of these ideas rolled into comments as a whole as, um, you know, as we move forward. Right. Interesting. Okay, so let's switch to a more recent project, the new story on Obama, a virtual museum of his presidency. Yeah. This covers a lot of ground. It covers an enormous <laughs> amount of ground, and it will continue throughout the year to cover even more ground. Okay, okay, so it's a, this is a living thing. This is a living thing. It will be, I'm not quite sure how many part series. We have another release coming up early summer, uh, late spring for it. But yeah, so it's a review of Obama's presidency, in his last, you know, in his last year in office, mm-hmm. and it will cover different aspects of his presidency. The this first room in the museum, if you want to continue moving with the metaphor, is about the first black presidency, mm-hmm. the first black president, and so it's laid out with illustrations. There is, as you said, a huge amount of content in here, in the same way that there might be in a museum. And so for us, working with my coworker Emily Young on this, it was a big, you know, her design was mostly to try to allow people to get a lot out of it, even if they didn't jump in and read the articles. There's a lot of great articles and videos and um, images that you may have forgotten. Mm -hmm. It's been eight years. A lot has happened. And so this was a really fun um, thing to design. It's super visual on top with a lot of really deep, um, smart content. If you dive into any of the individual stories, this one we started mobile first, we were able to like, look, take the concept that Emily had come up with. And then, as we were building it, really work hard on making it intuitive, easy on mobile, and then scaling up to desktop. And I really liked how it, it turned out on this. I think it's the illustrations look really great both places. Yeah. Um, I, I personally really like it on my phone a lot, that's, mm-hmm. but that's where we started. Right. Um, when I tweeted about it after we released it, I called it Snapchat for President Obama's <laughs> legacy because it, it kind of works like Snapchat Discover, but, uh, but on the web, which was yeah. fun to do technically as well as I, I like... It's cool to swipe through and see pictures, illustrate like illustrated concepts from his presidency and quotes about him and about big events that happened right. as and before he was president. So as one of the developers on this, how yeah. are you managing all of this content? I mean, you've got, like you said, you've got illustrations, you've got images, you've got videos, you've got interviews, and then you've got the, the text from the, from the reporters. So how right. are you like managing all that? That's a good question. So we have a CMS. It powers our paper. We do still print a newspaper. Um, and that is a constraint that a lot of folks don't have to deal with. And so for us, we have this CMS that runs the paper. A lot of these articles will appear here and they'll also appear in the paper. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have different ways of wrangling that data and, uh, we built a tool for that for us in graphics to allow writers to write articles in Mm -hmm. the CMS where they're comfortable and for us to work in our development environment in which we're comfortable. So we are able to pull down the articles insert content where we want, whether it's interactive graphics or videos in this case, um, photos. Right. And, and this was, we used it first on the black route project, looking at Syrian refugees moving from Greece into other parts of Europe. Mm -hmm. And it was really successful there. And it's been used on several other projects since Uh, I wrote about it for our developer blog. If you want to get into the technical details of how we consume our APIs and, yep. and stuff like that. Um, but the real nice thing about it is it provides a syntax that folks are familiar with and that um, we can place these things essentially using jQuery selectors. 
And that is really helpful for us. That's something we're super familiar with. And it doesn't impact our riders as they're riding. They yeah. just keep riding and we're like, we want this thing here. It goes just there. If they in. change it, we just move it a little bit. It's it's really seamless for both parties. This is a little bit trickier because it's not one article. It's 13, I think, <laughs> on the on the first set. Because why not? Yeah, if you why do not? one, why yeah. not do 13? Right. Right? Yeah. And so that, that made the build out of it a little bit more custom than when we've used it on other projects. Yeah. But it's the same process. And so that's it's been nice. The editors just kind of give us the URL for the things they're working on. Mm-hmm. We can arrange them in any order we want. We can associate which illustration we want with them. And then it will generate our site for us. And then we can just work with it. And as they make changes to the articles, we're pulling those in mm-hmm. live. It's There's like no delay between them, um, at least locally when we're doing development. And, right. Um, yeah, we found it very beneficial to... Being able to work on deadline with copy that's changing as it's yeah. going, with images that are being updated or changes that's going, and it, I think it works really well for everyone because it doesn't make editors have to learn to edit HTML to like get their text yeah. right, and we don't have to take a really, word document and yeah, write, we don't yeah. have to take a word document yeah. and, and mark it up. We don't have to try to make WordPress do what we want, yeah, because it usually doesn't want to do what we want right. it to. And we can work in places we're comfortable, and editors can work in places they're comfortable. And it lets us build like a really wide variety of projects using a similar yeah. approach. So you've got this whole workflow where everybody's still using their regular tools and probably developing new tools on their own, right? but it all coming sort of back down to this central pipeline. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Well, these are uh, great projects. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys will do next. Uh, especially on the engagement side. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's very fun. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's been, yeah. it's been really great. Thanks so much for having me. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, if you have comments or questions, please let me know. And please rate the show on your favorite podcast provider so others can learn about it and tune in. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week's episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by the Summer Executive Institute at the Georgetown University McCourt School of Public Policy. The McCourt Executive Institute offers short courses that are specifically designed to enhance key skills. Small classes and hands-on projects allow you to engage with expert faculty at Georgetown in a format that is convenient for busy professionals. To learn more and to register, please visit mccourt.georgetown.edu slash execed slash short courses. Enhance, energize, and expand your professional skills this summer at the McCourt Executive Institute.